The Report of the Watcher Were some watcher or holy one from the bright world above to come among us for a time with the power to diagnose the spiritual ills of church people, there is one entry which I am quite sure would appear in the vast majority of his reports. Definite evidence of chronic spiritual lassitude. Level of moral enthusiasm extremely low. What makes this condition especially significant is that Americans are not naturally an unenthusiastic people. Indeed, they have a worldwide reputation for being just opposite. Visitors to our shores and from other countries never cease to marvel at the vigor and energy with which we attack our problems. We live at a fever, pi- fever pitch, and whether we are erecting buildings, laying highways, promoting athletic events, celebrating special days, or welcoming returning heroes, we always do it with an exaggerated flourish. Our building will be taller, our highway broader, our athletic contest more colorful, our celebration more elaborate and more expensive than would be true anywhere else on earth. We walk faster, drive faster, earn more, spend more, and run a higher blood pressure than any other people in the world. In only one field of human interest are we slow and apathetic. That is the field of personal religion. There, for some strange reason, our enthusiasm lags. Church people habitually approach the matter of their personal relation to God in a dull, half-hearted way, which is altogether out of keeping with their general temperament and wholly inconsistent with the importance of the subject. It is true that there is a lot of religious activity among us, inter-church basketball tournaments, religious splash parties, followed by devotions, weekend camping trips to the Bible quiz around the fire, Sunday school picnics, building fun drives, and ministerial breakfasts are with us in unbelievable numbers, and they are carried on with a typical American gusto. It is when we enter the sacred precincts of the heart's personal religion that we suddenly lose all enthusiasm. So we find this strange and contradictory situation, a world of noisy, headlong religious activities carried on without moral energy or spiritual fervor. In a year's travel among the churches, one scarcely finds a believer whose blood count is normal and whose temperature is up to standard. The flesh and excitement of the soul in love must be sought in the New Testament or in the biographies of the saints. We look for them in vain among the professed followers of Christ in our day. Now, if there is any reality within the whole sphere of human experience that is, by its very nature, worthy to challenge the mind, charm the heart, and bring the total life to a burning fo- focus, it is the reality that revolves around the person of Christ. If he is who, what, the Christian message declares him to be, then the thought of him should be the most exciting the most stimulating to enter the human mind. It is not hard to understand how Paul could join the wine and the spirit in one verse, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit, Ephesians 5, verse 18. When the spirit presents Christ to our inner vision, it has an exhilarating effect on the soul, much as wine has over the body. The spirit-filled man may literally dwell in a state of spiritual fervor amounting to a mild and pure inebriation. God dwells in a state of perpetual enthusiasm. He is delighted with all that is good and lovingly concerned about all that is wrong. He pursues his labors always in a fullness of holy zeal. No wonder, the Spirit came at Pentecost as the sound of a rushing mighty wind and sat in tongues of fire on every forehead. In doing so, God was acting as one of the persons of the blessed Godhead. Whatever else happened at Pentecost, one thing that cannot be missed by the most casual observer was the surgeon upsurging of moral enthusiasm. 
those first disciples burned with a steady inward fire. They were enthusiastic to the point of continual abandon. Dante, on his imaginary journey through hell, came upon a group of lost souls who sighed and moaned continuously as they whirled about aimlessly in the dusky air. Virgil, his guide, explained that these were the wretched people, the nearly soulless, who while they lived on earth had not moral energy either to be good or evil. They had earned neither praise nor blame, and with them, and sharing in their punishment, were those angels who would take sides neither with God nor Satan. The doom of all the weak and irresolute crew was to be suspended forever between a hell that despised them and a heaven that would not receive their defiled presence. Not even their names were to be mentioned again in heaven or earth or hell. Look, said the guide, and pass on. Was Dante saying in his own way what our Lord had said long before the church of Laodicea? I would thou were hot or cold. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit thee out of my mouth. The low level of moral enthusiasm among us may have a significance far deeper than we are willing to believe.